I'm Curtis. I was a symbol on Camp Lejeune, which is a Marine Corps base. Uh, I was born in Jacksonville, North Carolina. Went through pretty much ugly childhood. Mom and my dad split, so I really didn't have him in the picture. And my mom remarried to a fucking douche. Straight up douche canoe of a guy that was not only physically abusive, mentally abusive, and if he wasn't, if you weren't his flesh and blood, you were just shit. So I had to deal with that for 13 years, and it wasn't until some of my first mentors, uh, one of the guys, his name's RV Lovell, who works in the Boys and Girls Club, and Kid Martz, who did uh, Bun Wall, who runs baseballs and stuff like that, and then a couple of uh, Wayne Eagleson, who helped uh, Best Robotics out. If it wasn't for those three dudes, I don't know where the fuck I would be right now because it was just going through a certain age, like 13 year old, being a 13 year old and not having like a solid male figure to look up to. It's pretty fucking hard. And if you looked at statistics right now, according to those numbers, I should either be in jail, non-existence, like I should be dead, I should have committed suicide a long time ago, or it's just, I should be heavily medicated at the moment. Then, as soon as I turned 18, I went into the army, due to the fact that my dad, being the gunnery sergeant he was, he's like, fuck you, if you go into the Marines, I will kill you. So I went in the army, which was fun, and that was in learning when I learned to embrace the suck. I was going to know, hey, this is going to suck, but you're going to get a lot of fulfillment out of this. Once you just learn the total line, do everything the basics, because it was three things. It was just right time, right place, right uniform. If you had just that right there, the basics, they weren't going to be that pissed off at you. Uh, and it got me into shape. I think the smallest that I got there was uh, 169. That was wow. when I entered. I had to be at 169 when I entered, and when I got the Little Rock to ship out for my basic, I weighed in at, at 167. I was two pounds under, and uh, it took me two months to actually get there, and I was already at 200 pounds. So I had to do a crash diet, which sucked and hurt at the same time. So what'd you do for the crash diet? What I'm doing right now, I'm chugging a shit ton of water, so we always had to cut out the sugars from sodas, Gatorades, and anything else that we could find sugar from. Uh, that's when I learned cutting carbs is bad. Never completely get rid of carbs because... So you're not a fan of the keto diet? No, keto's fine because keto will tell you um, we, you can get carbs. You can actually find carbs. Like one of the things I love on my on my, um, my cheat day is zoodles, which is zucchini noodles, which actually has the same amount of carbs as, as bread, but they're better for you and you can actually digest those better than those harsh uh, harsh grains. So it's because it's a complex carb that it makes exactly. it exactly nice. Yeah. So we had to do the crash diet. Uh, I was running pretty much every day, and this was during Arkansas summer weather. So that first hit of summer, so it's 90, 80 degrees. All right, let's throw on a black hoodie, black sweatpants. How many layers can I go? And I just started running because at 18 you can actually jump start your metabolism a little faster. But what I did not learn as soon as I got to that. <clears throat> And, excuse me, and I couldn't maintain that certain kind of diet because in the Army and basic training, you eat what we fucking give you. You got 15 minutes to feed 368 people. That's how many people were in my company from when the first person sits down and starts eating. It was for the first three weeks I didn't eat anything that I couldn't eat. <laughs> Just shoveling it in. Just in. Yeah, and I still have that habit of eating. That one was just where I learned self-worth in myself, uh, how important me was, because if I cannot visualize, like, hey, I'm important, then how can I help others? How can I be that person that's the man to the left and right, front or behind me needs if I can't be a whole person? So they kind of, um, one, of the, one of the parts of uh, Red Phase is when they break you down, all right, we're going to take you all the way to ground zero, and then we're going to build you back up to show you, like, hey, you're a fucking retard that can only do this. You're still a retard, but look what you can do now. So it's just polishing up that shiny dirt. So I went in 2006, went to basic, spent a wonderful, let's see, 18 weeks at Fort Lost in the Woods, Missouri, which is Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Uh, the true Twin Cities, Waynesville and St. Roberts, because that's as far as we can go if we got it off post pass and only got one of those. Yeah, it was fun. Did you only get one because you were always in trouble, or no, did you uh, only get one because I of... had stress fractures? Oh no! Um, during that time, because I'm flat-footed, and uh, they're readjusting how people wear shoes and how you run. They were actually showing you how to run properly and uh, running on the balls of your feet instead of going heel first. And so I developed stress fractures in my femurs, which took forever to fucking heal. Um, so the 
company commander's policy was if you were on a profile and it, it didn't require, if it wasn't due to a brace or something like that that you needed, you didn't go off pass until one of my drill sergeants going, get the fuck off me. Just get out of here. You're going insane. You're driving everybody nuts. Get out of here for 24 hours. So um, got my off post pass once. And so it's not that you needed a break. It's that they needed a break from you. <laughs> yeah, everyone needed a break from me. Which is true statement. I am palatable in small dosage. Like, there's only so much of one person can take of Curtis. So that was in 06. December 6 of 06, my ass goes off to Hawaii School Full Barracks. That was my first duty station, which was a lot of fun. That's where I learned, like, hey, I'm the whitest guy here. I can't tan, I burn. And that's where I began my tattoo addiction. And that's where I did my first couple of tours of duty. Um, went to Iraq the first time it sucked i know why those people are so pissed off if you're in a country that you couldn't leave and it's above 120 degrees for a good 10 months of 12 months in a year i would be a little cranky too <laughs> brownouts suck and that's when uh, you learn who your true friends are over there and just just the camaraderie I was in a unit that did get hit a lot, but that was just because we did, uh, we assisted with route clearance and route security because as an MP, that's what my job was. If you're not working MP operation, which is regular police duties, you were out in the field doing route security, area security, and helping combat MOSs, which is like your infantry, your field artillery, uh, your special operation guys, your SEALs, your special forces, your rangers. Um, you help them out doing what they need to do because uh, during the time that I was there in Iraq and Afghanistan, the field of operations was changing. They like they did not want combat troops. So who can do the job? All right, give me a squad of MPs and I can take a squad of my infantry guys. We can do the job, no problem. That meets the quota and stuff like that. So for a little while, uh, we get stuck in fucking Sadr City. Fuck that place with the giant ass green doodle that the army did to me. That uh, if you ever seen American Sniper where they're building up those T walls at the end where he shoots Gustavo, which was bullshit. Um, but that was the city that was being T walled off. I was there, and the reason why they T walled that off because it had no water, no power, no sewage, and that's where all the bad guys were starting their propaganda war. So that was their little rat hole that they dug into, and you can't blame those people for being pissed off. We have no water, no power. I can't get my kids to go and get education, so what am I going to do? Well, these guys tell me, hey, if I shoot fucking the American soldiers, they'll give me money. What can I use with that money for? I can put food on my table and I get my kids out of here. Seems logical to me. But no, I was a uh, machine gunner during those times, so it was like literally driving through the streets, rock, 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 grenade, fuck! <laughs> and it was, that was the first tour, and then I had a lot of personal shit going on. Uh, I learned that there is a god and karma does exist on that first tour. I had a girlfriend, her name was Juliet. She decides to break up me on Christmas Day after a buddy of mine dies. But there is a god. She ends up calling me back a couple days later saying she has herpes. Which made me fall out of my rack hysterically dying laughing. And my roommate goes, hey, Carney, what just happened? Hey, you know that bitch that just dumped me? Yeah, she's got herpes. He was like, ew, but there is a god. So uh, we survived that tour, go back to Hawaii. I ended up making E4 specialists, and then they were like, okay, guys, here's what's going on. Brigade and battalion are splitting. Half of our operation is going to be in Korea. The RF is going to stay here in Hawaii. You guys that deployed and are not replacements, are not leaving us, you have a choice of the schools you want to go to, duties that you want to go to, and whatever you want to do, it's on us. Just tell us what you want to do. You survived. I were like, okay, a couple of us goes, well, hey, why don't we just go be a PSD to the colonel? And that's what I did. I was his driver for a little while. So he had to go between Hawaii and Korea. So I come home from Hawaii uh, from after that tour, and I meet this girl. Her name is Roxanne. And Ed met her, I think. Uh, Ed, Ed knew about her. Uh, John Pond knew her. And they were just like, how the fuck did Curtis, who's 5'7 on a good day, land a 6-4 glamazon blom bombshell model type deal like what the fuck did he say what did he do how did he land roxanne and um she goes he told the truth it was just like what did he say I'm like hi i'm insane you look like you need entertainment and that was the line that i used 
I was drunk as shit at the time because I was trying to catch up on a year's worth of drinking. Mm -hmm. But that was the line I used. And like an escort, we ended up dating for close to two years. Nice. Yeah, because I ended up, that was one of the last tours. We come home for block leave, and then I go back to Hawaii and go to where careers die at Fort Hood, Texas. So not only will the truth set you free, but it'll also get you laid. Yes. You have to play to your strengths. If you know you're batshit insane, do it in a cute, funny way. Right. If you know you can talk, talk to the way you know that can win her over. If you're just big, strong, you muscular and got six packs of abs, you find the girl that's shallow as shit, lift up your shirt and let her feel the washboard, bam, you got her. Right, just double down on your strengths. <laughs> if you know what you're good at, go with what you're good at. <laughs> yeah. So um, that was the that was the crazy fun times. And then I get the Fort Hood. We I end up going to a unit that goes, oh yeah, we're deploying. We got three months to get you ready to go. I'm like, okay, cool, no problem. So this was my last tour um, as an active duty soldier. So get the Fort Hood. We deploy. We end up going to um, Kalasad which is, you know, not too far away from Baghdad, so it's the middle transport, and all we're doing is going to the IPs, just making sure they're not fucking up too hardcore, and they kind of got a hold of everything. reason we were so scared about that shit was all the dumb motherfuckers are dead, so now we're dealing with the Einsteins. Like, we're dealing with their engineers, because they found a new way to blow us up that completely defeated everything that we had. Uh, like we had uh, jammers to block cell phone signals, any type of radio radio signals going out to like possibly could detonate us. They figured out like, hey, you know what? Why don't we go to our VCR, grab those IR IR sensors, use a laser as the activation point, and bam, that could be the way we could blow people up. So we learned that that was a fun day. Uh, the reason was the reason why we said it was a fun day was um, during that time. Uh, my unit was in charge of QRF for the whole battle space. So we would be, our squad would be on call 24-7 for a week at a time. Then we rotate off to regular operations. It was our fourth call. We get told, hey, we're going to escort EOD out to this blast site. I'm like, okay, cool. Then we get told, yeah, EOD is going to have the Iraqi, the Iraqi EOD do this. I'm like, okay, cool. Shit, be easy. You know, I just get to sit in the truck and don't worry. Hop out of the truck. We get so desensitized to blood, guts, and ass. It's just another day. And we see a bunch of IPs crying. And I go up to Sergeant Puga at the time, who was my squad leader. And he goes, and I go, what do you think is wrong? He goes, new guy. And then we get into the blast radius with the EOD guys. And he kind of looked at us and goes, get everyone the fuck out of here now. He's like, if you're not a U.S. soldier, get them out of my fucking bla- out of this blast site. And we're like, the fuck? And so we end up kicking everyone out there, and we're pulling guard, and Sergeant Puka goes in there, and he goes, he's just like, he comes up to us and goes, guys, we're fucked now, because it was pretty much going back to the old Wild West days, because what they did was they took a uh, 135 millimeter mortar shell, put a bunch of copper rods around it to when that explosion, the copper would melt and just pierce through our armors. We had no way to defend these blasts. And then we learned one of the times that we got hit was because of that. We got hit because we thought it was just some dude, you know, fucking with us. But no, this was their new thing that they were testing, and we were their target. So it fucking cold shiver straight down our spines. And um, ended up calling my dad because he was still around at that time. I'm like, dude, how do we fucking, you know, how do we stop this? He's like, you don't, you're fucked. <laughs> you just, uh, you, next time you get hit, you, you know, you know, like, hey... I gotta look whether this car was the one that armed it or whoever's running away away from the blast the furthest. Hey, I should get shoot that motherfucker because he's probably the one that detonated. So that was that was the fun times. But yeah, Ugh. goosebumps. That still fucks with me. That tour was another piece of shit tour because it was just one of those. Okay, we can only do so much. And they were redoing the rules of engagement for us. I'm like, all right, if you get shot at, you must use non-lethal forms first. The fuck? Like, they just tried to kill me. Why can't I kill them back? Right, bullet was past my head. (laughs) And I'm going to ask him to freeze. (laughs) Stop! And then, um, yes, he is. This is actual dude's name. His name was Duke. That was his last name. 
and we thought it was the funniest thing because while we're in basic training, what? You trying to be John Wayne? You going to be like the Duke? So here's this two-star general with the last name Duke. He literally goes, all right, guys, are now 100% air security on MSR Tampa. He goes, I know this is going to suck. I know you guys are going to get hit a lot, but please know it's for the better. I'd rather have you guys out there protecting lives than those shitbags. Then it can change again. And like, hey, if I get shot at, I can return fire. Hey, fuck this non-lethal shit. I can actually take a 5.56 five, around and put it in between your eyes. Bing! One day we got hit and we saw this truck. He was just getting closer and closer. And we flagged him down like, hey, motherfucker, no. Uh, my buddy took his uh, his M2, which is the um, uh, 50 caliber machine gun, and he just fucking sliced this thing in half from cab all the way down. It was fucking great because there's no better feeling like, hey, I got a concussion. I don't know what the fuck is going wrong, and I see my buddy fucking some shit up. That just that lifts my spirits knowing I'm like, hey, okay, we're in the fight, so that's good. So, yeah, it was good times. Where'd you get a concussion from, Jan? Uh, the blast. I was in the truck that went through. So whenever you saw this truck coming, that's the truck that... No, he wasn't a, he, he wasn't the blast. So what happened was, this truck's coming at us. And I'm dazed and confused, but I could still have my motor skills. And, like, I'm still able to process some shit. I'm like, oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. This is, you know, it's one of those things, the worst thing that could possibly happen. Because here comes a secondary device. Could be a V-bed. Or here comes, like, have you ever seen the movie SWAT? Where they take the semis and people just start f- coming out from the back. My head started going there. No, it's just some fucking dude that just didn't know what the fuck was going on, but we fucking split his truck in half, and we pulled him out, and the joke was, just like in Hurt Locker, if he wasn't a terrorist then, he's definitely a terrorist now. Yeah. So, split the truck in half. I'm starting to get, ah, more better get senses around me. We start going on. We start, you know, hey, we secure the area. We get our truck all hooked up, and then we go back to the, we go back to base. And then I meet Mr. Wizard, which is the, the Army and the NFL are taking concussions very seriously. And there's concussion protocol. So, and there were, they were worried about CTE before the, even the NFL was because there's studies about these guys that are getting so fucked up, their brains getting so fried just because of all the concussion blasts. They even go, hey, you can have a purple heart for concussion because it's an invisible wound. Which, you know, some of us thought was shitty at the time, and then we kind of get it because how bad the concussion is can really fuck you up. Because I've had concussions that ring my bell, and I don't remember years of high school now. And it's like long-term damage, too. It's not only like, you know, memory damage from the past, but it's potential long-term damage in the future. Oh, yeah. There, I have, I have personal... I've got uh, I've got long-term damage to where I lose con- certain controls of my motor skills. Like if I'm working out for a certain amount of time and um, I'm completely just kind of out my little world, Curtis world, my body doesn't know that I'm out there, so I start losing feeling to my arms. It's just my brain not sending those nerves, those nerve the right, right signals to my arms. That, and if I get start getting really frustrated, um, one of my concussions dealt with speech. And so I will stumble on my words. Like, I would start stuttering. But I don't have a stutter. I just, I can't get them out. I get more frustrated, which makes it worse. Yeah. So. So uh, was that blast the one that put you in the hospital? Or uh, was was that just one of many blasts that, that you've been through? That was one of many. That was yeah. one of many. The one that put me in the hospital was, uh, was a mortar attack. That one fucking sucked because my whole squad... We were in our little area, our bunkers, in which are T-walls that are covered with more T-walls. So you got about like four inches of concrete above your head on top of sandbags. And then if you're lucky, which mine was, you had another T-wall placed over the sandbox. So we're in that, and we get hit with the motor blast, and our bunker falls on top of us. So I was out for a day. I was straight up just knocked the fuck out. <laughs> that, that was the one that they're really kind of concerned about. But, again, you're also talking to a guy that, you know, was dropped on his head as a young child, double skull fracture, six months old. So there's no telling where the damage from my head started and where it ends. Wear your helmets, kids. If you ever have a chance, you do skateboarding, you do BMXing, wear your fucking helmet. Right. (laughs) If you're in the military, (laughs) keep your helmet on. No, there's some times where it's just so fucking hot. Fuck it. If you're going to die, die in comfort. Yeah. I get out. I I had one of those contracts which was you did five years active 
you can do three years in active reserve as to the way my contract was in it. You re-enlist it to extend to do this tour, so what we can do for you, we can put you in the reserves. We'll completely, you'll be done with the Army in a year and a half. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. But what they forgot to tell me, oh, yeah, you're going to deploy. It's like, fuck. So you deploy again. So this, is, <laughs> this is your third tour? I was actually number four. Four. Oh, wow. Yeah. There, there is an Afghanistan tour that I do not talk about. I never want to bring up in conversation because it just, it was that fucking shitty. And that's the one that you had to have surgery from. Uh, that is one of many, of many surgeries I've had. Weren't you in a, like a blast in one of your vehicles at one time? I feel like you told me a story where you had to have like shrapnel removed. Yeah, I actually pulled the shrapnel on my arm first. I was in, I was the gunner. Uh, the IED went off. This was back when we were just rolling in Humvees. The blast went off. Uh, and it shit ball. It was a ball bearing IED with other fun stuff, and it fucking. I got scars from that shrapnel. I pulled that out of me. I've got a little shrapnel still left in left leg, left leg that'll work itself out. But yeah, that's good times. Yeah. So you've been through the shit multiple times. Yeah, and went back for more. Yeah. <laughs> so after your fourth time of being in the military, first combat tour. Um, after that fourth one, um, I was done. I had enough. I was just, I needed to be out. I needed to rest. I was kind of going outside of my school because I had all these stressors, especially, but I feel bad. And it's one of those types of statistics that are going around. If you don't have a solid core, when you get out like a good home, people to support you or surround yourself with you, that's not going to be, you know, too dramatic. You're fucked. Because you don't know how to process back into civilian life. Because, again, the military will tell you everything you need to know. They tell you. When you're in the civilian world, no one tells you dick. Or if they do tell you something, it's because they want you to do what they want you to do. And it's not in the best interest of you. So, one of the biggest things that military people have transitioning is we're told, stay in our lane. Just blinders up. Just stay right there. You just need to be right there your lane. Don't worry about anyone else. Just be him. And now we're having civilians from the left or the right, doesn't matter who, that want to be in our lane. Like, hey, we want to be involved and all up in your shit. Like, it could be from the way you're doing your paper in, in college. It could be the way from the way that you're dressing. It just, it could be a million different things that they just want to be up in your little space where you're like, fuck this. I just want to do Curtis. It's like, fuck you. I'm doing me. And... That's when I actually cut a good chunk of people out of my life because they were just trying. They, they didn't want Curtis to be Curtis. They wanted to be Curtis the way that they felt Curtis should be. And, yeah, fuck you, Carolyn. <laughs> so that's like some of your best advice for anyone that you learned from coming out of the military and the civilian life was that, you know, people are going to pass judgment. But regardless of that, you're going to have to be yourself. Yeah, fuck what people think about you because no matter what, the only person you have to impress is the person in the mirror. And that is going to be the hardest person. To right. They say that we're our biggest self-critics. Oh, I'm horrible. I fucking kick the shit out of myself daily. It, it's a true statement. If you're unhappy with yourself and then you've got five different people telling that you're fucked up, that's just going to make you harder to, to be happy. And I got to a point in my life, I think it was by the time I turned 26, I was just like, you know what? I've been through combat. I've traveled the world. I've been places. I've done more shit than most people who ever do in their life. Who the fuck are you to tell me I can't wear a painful shirt on a Thursday? Fuck you. Right. Like, you don't know me, motherfucker. You don't know what I've been through. Yeah. Like, you don't know me. You it's know like what? Fight Club. You don't know where I've been, Lou. <laughs> yeah. You don't know where I've been, Lou. <laughs> it's exactly. You don't know dick about me, and yet you're telling me I have to dress this way because it offends you. Because I think the shirt that I was wearing was the old school evil shirt that says, excuse me, I think those are my balls in your face. Right. That was like one of the most popular paintball shirts of all time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I am offended by that shirt. And if it wasn't for my college professor going, hey, that's a paintball shirt. What's to be offended by that? You even see a paintball guy on there with a huge, you know, shot on his face and his goggles. And he thought it was funny. And it's just one of those type of things that she threw such a stink here I am possibly getting kicked out of college for wearing a fucking shirt. But yet, all you motherfucker so-called education of intellectuals will wear a Chavo Guerrero shirt not knowing how much of a douchebag that guy was. 
Yeah. But now, at that time, so I was having to deal with depression, not adjusting well to society, bad personal relationships, and self-medication. Because when you get out of the military, you are trying to use your skills that you're taught. And one of that is reliance on self. Hey, sometimes these people are not going to do it, so you're going to have to go do it. And when it came down to, like, I, I need help recognizing going, hey, you're just going to have to go to the VA, just fuck it and own it, and go ask for help. I didn't go to the VA round. I turned to the church and Monsignor, who I still talk to for an advisor. Uh, I used the VA for my depression a little bit, but I'm kind of shaky with them if you kind of seen today. Um, the Fayetteville VA care system is pretty on it, but it's still horror stories that still scare the shit out of me because um, Tess, who I'm with, I'm kind of off and on right now. We're still trying to fix a relationship. She lost her godfather because they mis- misdiagnosed his cancer. And it, it's just one of those, the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why they call it a medical practice. I mean, they're yeah. still in the process of learning everything, so they still make mistakes. They're still human beings. Yeah, they're still human beings, but this was from one guy not getting his scans in time. Right. So this was the VA dropping the ball, which there's... A difference between, yeah, we got it, this is our fault, this was just human error, then there's just, oh yeah, we didn't get the shit to the doctor in time, or you're on a waiting list to see a specialist. And that was one of my biggest fears when I got hit with cancer, was, okay, I'm having to make all these trips to the VA, am I actually going to be able to see my doctor today? That's when I start learning, like, dude, you can't focus on the negatives, and one of our good friends now, who's yours, Rocky Keck, knowing the fucking happiest person I've ever met in my life. I've yet to actually see that dude not having a smile on his face, except for when he's asleep. Rock steady. Yeah. So Rocky um, kind of told me, and, I, and he posted on his Facebook, like, as long as you got a smile on your face, nothing can go wrong in the day. As long as you're smiling and making other people around you, it doesn't matter the shit that's going on, you're good. As long as I've known you, you've always been a really happy character. <laughs> you're actually the first person on my list of people I wanted to interview because I knew that you had been through so much suck in your life, and yet you still maintain this positive attitude that if you could teach that to other people, hopefully they'd be able to benefit from your thought process. Well, and that's what one of the things I learned from Rocky was you can't focus on the negative. Because the more you focus on the negative, the more of a grumpy person you're becoming because you're just in that dark place. Once you get there, you're just either digging yourself into the deeper hole because there used to be a saying, and it's one of the strong sayings that I believe in the military was, there's a soldier. He's stuck in this hole and he's just digging it deeper. He's yelling out for his help. His NCO comes walking by. He goes, you have the tools that we've given you. Use them guy's still digging he's deep into this hole his commander comes by he yells out for help use what your ncos have taught you you'll be fine you'll get out of there still digging deeper deeper darker the chaplain comes by and he yells out for help again to the chaplain chaplain goes don't worry god's with you we'll pray about this you'll be fine and he's still digging himself deeper deeper until the soldier comes by one of his buddies comes by and he yells out for help the guy yells out, but his buddy jumps down in the hole. And he, the soldier goes, now we're both stuck down here. His buddy turns to him, no, I've been down here before. I know the way out. So it's one of those mentalities. No matter what type of shit you're going through in life, someone else has been there. All you have to do is reach out to someone who's been through some form of adversity. They'll come and help you out. You just got to ask for it. You don't want to be like Heracles and throw yourself on your sword. Right. Yeah, I know that in my times of being in a bad place, that it's all like it wasn't until I actually almost made it public, like, hey, like I'm fucking losing it. I need somebody to help me. And then like people come out of the woodwork that you don't even know that message you and you're like, hey, did you know that I'm a psychologist and this is what I do for a living? And if you would like to talk to me, we can keep it 100% confidential and just you know, work through your problems. And it was just a lifesaver. It yeah. was like, Wow. And then having friends like you that have been through some shit and you're like, brother, just come through, talk to me, we'll work it out. Yeah. And it's like you're going through your own problems and yet you're still like, We're gonna we'll fucking dig our way out of this hole together, bro. Let's fucking do it. Yeah, we might be fucked, but we could be fucked together. Right. <laughs> but no, it's just one of those again, came from the military, it's just 
this person's willing to bleed for you. Yeah, you're my brother. I don't care what anyone fucking says. You're my brother. No matter how fucked you are in your life, you can still stop and help someone. And that person can help you too. It doesn't matter what each other's problems are. It's being there for that person. And if we can't do that, and because we're in such a heated time, like everyone's just going at each other's throat, I'm still trying to figure out why everyone's so pissed off. We just are supposed to be yes people and be happy worker bees to make the other people rich. Yeah, I kind of believe that. George Carlin says it because it's kind of true. Like, idiocracy is actually starting to come true. Have you not seen that shit? Right. I'm just waiting for the first buttfuckers restaurant to come out. <laughs> you know, movies about farts. You know, I'm, I'm waiting, man. It's coming it's, soon. It really is. Like, here pretty soon, the all douche channel. Oh yeah, and, and and it's not gonna have Justin Bieber in it. It's actually gonna be a channel nothing but how to tell uh, how to do douches, the kind of douches, like this year we go to Japan to study the Hello Kitty douche. Leave me alone, I'm baiting. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking it, I swear to Christ that uh that Mike Judge went found a time machine and went to the future and saw that shit and wrote that movie. Right, him and Matt Groening with The Simpsons. Like, they just, they stay in the future and bring back the dopest comedy. Oh, you know what? Marge, Lisa, and Maggie are now Disney princesses. Oh, really? Yeah, that sale's gone through. Fox is now owned by Disney, so. The more you know. <laughs> so, um, but no, back to helping people. It's just like, again, you got to be positive. You've got to, you know, whatever light that you have, being it's your kids it's your it's your dog it's your cat it's your pet fish it's your turtle it's your mom it's your dad it's your brother it's your sister it's one of your deep friends whatever you can to hold on to that shit you just hold on to it it doesn't matter what the fuck it is it's just hold on to that light and you'll be happy and most of the time that you met me and i was at my happiest was either at the paintball field or the paintball shop being surrounded in that world kind of did save my life which yeah. was kind of cool and then you you went from doing all that to you know, being away from paintball for a little while and then got cancer. Like, tell me about that. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I lost lefty. I had testicular cancer. Keep with her. Had. I'm in remission right now. But the way that we had to treat it was uh, my significant other, we just learned that we we're going to have another son. And I couldn't go through the normal type of, hey, here's chemo, here's radiation, because, wait a minute, I'm radiating. I got a three-year-old. I, well, he wasn't three at the time, but he was. I got a... I got a two-year-old there. My wife's pregnant with another. That means I won't be away my, uh, around my support structure. Because that's very important to have. If you got cancer, whoever it is that you want by your side, have them by your side. Because they're going to give you so much fucking energy, so much happiness, and you're going to pick up on their dark sense of humor. Like you need that love in your life. Yeah, you need that shit. And it, just being able to wake up Next to the room where my kid's sleeping at is fucking huge for me. That and stay active. Just because you get hit with cancer and you feel like shit, you still need to get up. You need to walk. You need to do your job. You need to stay active. And that was one of the things. Working at Sam's was a benefit. Hey, you're going to go work in a freezer today. All right. Fuck, I hurt. I hurt. I hurt. I hurt. But they were saying that the cry of just being so cold, it was kind of like hypothermic, uh, hypothermic treatment kind of that bullshit like the cryogenic treatment was it cryogenic it was you're inducing your body hypothermia okay because you're going into a place I, I was staying in a freezer that was below negative 10 so i'm staying in there instead of doing it for just like three minutes i'm doing it for almost to where all right i got ice fill building up on my beard i probably should go warm up for a little bit so they're saying because I was doing that, I was forcing my body to regenerate new blood cells, new fresh blood, new plasma from my organs out to my whole body. So kind of like cryogenic, but they were saying because of that was keeping my body at a pretty healthy rate with this new treatment because we couldn't do chemo. So what's the next best way? You just treat with drugs and you try to remove it and you constant screens. So yeah, uh, my doctor you know saw my dick once a month so that was <laughs> that that was kind of weird you know <laughs> i'm gonna go to another dude going all right hey here's my dick yeah peep this one out <laughs> bad boy do you feel that being in the military helped you embrace the suck of cancer yeah because it's just one of those type of things it's just all right fuck it bring it on you know 
I, I've been shot at. I've been blown up. I'm not going to let my body kick my fucking ass. Well, uh, the last interview I did with my friend Lloyd, he said a good quote, is this the hill that you want to die on? Oh, there's many hills I want to die on. So but... like whenever you were you know, fighting the battle of cancer, like were you basically asking yourself that question? Like, is this the hill I want to die on? Like, no, I'm not going to die of cancer. I'm going to fucking beat this shit down to the ground. I'm going to kick it in its testicles. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good way to put it. I'm going to take one of yours back for it. <laughs> Bitch, come at me. Tradesies, bro. Yeah. Tradesies. <laughs> you took lefty. I want your righty. <laughs> right. <laughs> But no, so it was good times. I had a lot of support, and you know, I stopped by the field every once in a while, started get back into support. Thank you, Callie Rudolph, because he was one of those people that kind of like, hey, we haven't seen you in the field for a while. You know, come out, come watch us. Uh, you also reached out to me, um, Alan Robinson, Black Al, Al number, Al number one, because you're Al number two, because you're the shit. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> you're the one that came up with that saying. Well, I wanted, I didn't want to like take. Al or the Alan away from someone else. I didn't want to be like, oh, I'm number one. Like I was like, you can be number one. That's fine. Like I don't. I'll be number two. It's okay. I'll make the best out of the shit. <laughs> and you for because I'm the shit. That was, that was that was the funniest joke. We all died laughing. So when it came to cancer, like everyone came out just you know i learned that like oh fuck these dudes actually did kind of care because i had a falling out with people because everyone was just like oh he's just doing his own thing and they didn't understand curtis yeah no one understood someone doing their own things we were so wrapped up in like you know teamwork makes the dream work that we were trying to have this like same frequency same vibe mentality you know have a unity consciousness where we work as one (laughs) and you're like Bro, individualism to the fucking fullest. And we're like, we're like, what's this kid on, dude? Like, you're you're a lunatic. But you're like, I'm going to wear a fucking kilt. Like, I'm gonna, dude, it's St. Patty's Day. Like, I'm going to rock this shit. We're like, what are you, dude, go over there. Like, go, go do that that way. Just go do your own shit. And I did do my own shit. Right, so focus on the, the greater good that involves everyone. Yeah. So once you had this team aspect and you had these people that were supporting you, you think that was like a big aspect that helped you in cancer aside oh, from just the, yeah. the love of the family? Like oh, you, were, just, just, you got into it by saying, talking about Alan Robinson. Yeah, it's just knowing that love. These people come out, you know, again, like you, you said, you were going through some shit. People come out of the woodwork and they just start pulling all this nothing but positive life, positive support. And it just kind of gets into your bones. It gets into that soul that goes, all right, I can do this shit. I got these people surrounded me with just so much good vibes so much good energy and just knowing that i'm loved i'm not gonna let this shit take my life and it's just knowing that knowing that your brother's there whenever you need him and it's just that type of feeling going like all right motherfucker i can't be depressed i gotta start doing some shit so now you've survived four tours in the military you survived the abusive upbringing, single mom and semi-douchebag stepdad, and then you've you've gone through college, you've gone through paintball teams, gone through cancer, and then now what are you doing still to you know fight the struggles of life and to improve yourself on a daily basis? Well, you can never stop learning. And what I mean by that is there's always, life is always evolving. There's always going to be that next struggle. So what, what can you do to prepare yourself? Like, number one, uh, I fell back into a deep, dark depression. There was a lot of shit going on that I couldn't control. It was out of no one's control. I wasn't dealing with how my dad died because I lost him about a year ago. I wasn't dealing with that shit correctly again. And I was just seeking out into a big rut. And it was just, all right, I'm just going to take all this negative stuff and just push it down. I'm not going to... Not gonna talk about it, I'm just gonna ignore it. You know, it'll go away if I ignore it long enough. And it won't. Nope. Man, you know And you won't find the answers <laughs> at the bottom of a bottle either. <laughs> this is a true statement and you know, that's partly one of the things I got myself in the AA because I was being an abusive drinker. I wasn't I wasn't drinking to satisfy, you know, spirits and stuff like that. I was drinking because I was pissed off and I wanted to abuse my body. And not in the right way, because you can abuse your body that is a thousand times more pleasurable. Like going to the gym, like CT Fletcher, like, it's still your (laughs) motherfucking set. (laughs) Yeah, Um, but now he actually got, uh, he was recipient of a heart transplant, and, um, and he's 
doubling down everything I saw this one motivational video was I just got a heart transplant and he's sitting there curling 35 pounders just curling trying to get his arms back and the doctor tells him hey you can't curl no more and there's CT in his room doing sit-ups doctor did say shit about sit-ups he just said I couldn't curl no more I'm gonna curl my whole motherfucking body then <laughs> and um it, it, it's just it's shit like that because uh, I was again I got to a dark place you know I let my depression get the best of me I wasn't taking care of myself so I, I I'm a firm believer on Joe Rogan and most studies out there if you're fucking overweight and you look at what you're eating and you're not eating anything good it's just throwing your hormones it's just throwing your head it's just throwing everything out of whack so. Um, I went and checked myself in because I was having some pretty nasty thoughts uh, at the VA. Got seen at the VA, and one of the first things they do there at the VA was, this is how you eat. And it's to actually kind of reset your body. That, and I was going through TTs too. <laughs> I had the shakes like a motherfucker. But it was just going through DTs, doing through stuff like that, and it kind of helped pull my head out of my fourth point of contact or my ass and just realize because I made all these nasty choices, because I let my body get out of my way, out of my hand, uh, there's a chance I could, you know, no longer be in remission, you know, I just fucked up a great relationship that I had with my significant other, now, you know, what's, what's Curtis at? He's back at the fucking bottom and having to build himself back up. So what was your lowest low? Oh, God. Like, after all this, where do you think your lowest low was? I think like, there, because I realized I... I possibly just removed myself from my kid's life. So how much did you weigh when you went to the doctor? That time I stepped in on the scale at 278. And what do you weigh right now? Uh, right now, last time I hit the scale was at uh, 218. Nice. Yep. So you've been making some really good headway. Yeah, and part of it was fucking cutting out sugars, no sodas. You know, you can have a cheat day, but fucking during the regular day, cut out the cheat day, get back to drinking fucking water. I have my little water bottle over here that you saw me. Yeah. It's number eight. I offered this guy a glass of water, but he had already brought his own, so <laughs> we're just we're just filling up his water bottle. And then um, it was changing the way I was eating, too, because I was eating like shit. And just because you think something's nutritious doesn't mean it always is, because you got to look at the carbs you're taking in and how processed everything is. And so I started trying to eat clean. And I started doing intermittent fasting. So my last meal or my last snack will be around 9 o'clock. I want to eat until about 11 o'clock in, in, in the morning when I wake up. Yeah. So, do you count your calories or do you just focus yeah, on... Yeah, I count, I count my car calories, but I focus on my protein level. Because part of the way that I'm losing weight is by building muscle. Mm -hmm. Because you can't really destroy a fat cell, but you can shrink it. What's the best way to shrink a fat cell? fucking lifting heavy ass weights drink lots of water and hope for the whoosh effect <laughs> well but lifting the weights lifting the cardio getting back in the gym and just it, and the gym helped out with the depression too because you're sending a bunch of cortisone and other happy feel good shit throughout your whole body because you'll go in there and you might feel like shit but then when you realize like oh shit i can curl 75 pounds i fucking think i could do this when i was in the do army. some deadlifts and your yeah. testosterone I'm starts like, flowing oh. and you're just like yeah. And then you get hit with your pre-workout, and then you realize where the fuck did this come from? And right. Yeah, yeah. I got told I could never have sex again while on pre-workout. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You got this hard on that makes you want to beat off with sandpaper. No, it was the the size of the load that came back. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, she's gonna kill me now, but I don't fucking care. It, it, was, it was just one of those type of things that getting back in the gym and being strict, regular. And one of the things that I do when I go into the gym is I put on CT's 10 commands of weightlifting. And I think commandment number four is you can't be wishy-washy. You have to go in there with a purpose. You have to just forget about whatever the fuck's going on with life and focus on what your workout is. If you can only do, you know, one machine, and that's biceps, and you, you feel it. And it's the one thing that you did, that's fine. Just focus on the one thing that you did, that you felt the burn and what you did, and you'll be great in life. And then commandment number 10 is, I can never be satisfied. Which is a true statement in life. You can't be satisfied because there's always something coming. You have to be willing to adapt and willing to work your ass off to go to your next goals. 
right? You go to the weight room and you're like, all right, I can get the two and a half pound plates and then I can get the five pound plates and then 10 pound plates and then 25 pound plates, 35 pound plates, 45 pound plates. And then it's just, you can keep progressing. So it feels like it's, you're playing this infinite game that you're never going to win. Like you just keep working on it because yeah. nothing's ever going to be good enough. No, nothing's never going to be good enough. And, and it's one of those type of things that you can put that into your job, your career. It's just like, all right, does this fulfill me? Does this challenge me? And we'll, like, every day, everybody gets in a rut to where they're, you, you, don't, you don't feel challenged, but you feel comfortable. And, again, CT says this too, um, with pain comes growth. You have to make yourself miserable to see yourself grow. Right. We all have to have the suffering. Yeah. Well, it's not just a suffering. It's just you have to be inconvenienced. You have to be challenged. You have to be able to go, oh, shit, I'm actually going to have to put effort into this to get what I want. And that's where I feel like a lot of guys and a lot of people, it doesn't matter how what, what they're trying, they're about ready to hit that next level in their life, but they stop because they're scared of that pain or they hit that plateau that bruce lee talks about like they get on a plateau and they have to go past that and so many people get comfortable at being at that level and you know they'll keep lifting the the same weight they just keep doing it they keep doing the same amount of reps like well i look good i like the way i look or whatever but they don't put keep putting themselves in the pain they don't keep going through the struggle to get better yeah and there's always going to be struggles you i've never gone through a day where i didn't feel some type of struggle and it could be money it could be food it could be anything stress is there for a reason and i'm quoting christopher titus on this one who's a funny ass comedian but stress is developed for our brains to make sure hey my bills are paid my kids have a roof There's food in the fridge for them. Hey, there's food in the fridge for me. That stress is meant to be there. It's how we handle those stressors. Because you can either do it the correct way, or you can be in a bar drinking yourself, wasting your money, or just being miserable. There's that way. I'd rather do it the correct way to where I get up in the morning, oh, fuck, I need to go to work. I don't want to, but I need to. You know? And sometimes... As much as we want to bitch complain about our works, it's just like, fuck it, let's just go get it done with. There's something to do for eight hours out of the day. Right. So what can I do for the next 16 hours? Or some of you guys who have 12-hour shifts, all right, what can I do for the next 12 hours? You know, I block off at least two hours right now solely for the gym. And then after those two hours, that's my time. My time is very precious. So as long as I have my two hours to work, can go work out five days a week after those two hours i'm open book whatever the fuck you want to do hell you can even come work out with me and i can make fun of you and you can make fun of me as we're trying to do these things right yeah and it's just also we can talk about life during those things because some of the best advice i ever gotten was at the preacher's bench and i still want to know why it's called the preacher's bench is it because you're praying to jesus this fucking hurts make it stop make the pain <laughs> go away daddy make the pain go away <laughs> yeah preacher curls are tough uh, I do that every day. Uh, I'm, and the motto is CT. I reason I had 26 inch long arms was because I worked my arms out every day. Nice. <laughs> yeah, but um, it, it, it's it's being consistent. You got to have a schedule. You got to have a routine, and then you have to change. Uh, uh, CT believes that our bodies were very adaptable. We are. Once we set our minds on something. We can adapt to anything to make those goals possible. Um, And then once you've figured out that first level that you're on and you're comfortable with it, how do I adapt to grow more? How do I become more successful now? How do I get surpass my level now? (laughs) Because the only way I know how to do that is through pain. (laughs) Yeah. And or hard work. What's the saying? Life is pain. And if anyone else says any different, they're selling you something. Yes. That's it. There you go. So what are your goals now? Um, are you going to try to go back to being in the shape you were when you first joined the military at 18? Yeah, I or? actually have a picture when I was at my lightest, and it was before a combatives tournament, and I believe I was 160. Yeah, I got down that skinny, and I looked like a fucking crackhead. I felt like a crackhead because I, I was cutting weight, and I wasn't doing the correct way because no one knew how to properly cut weight back right, in So you days. lost a lot of your muscle mass. Uh, it wasn't just muscle mass, but it was just 
how we did it because we did it in short spurts. And so there's an old saying in martial arts that if you once you cut so much, now we got to work twice as hard to keep that off. So again, I was 160 at the time doing combatives. I lost a lot of my muscle strength. I lost, I lost a lot because I was doing it in a very unhealthy way because no one knew any way other. So, but got down to the weight doing the combatives, but I was looking at myself, I'm like, fuck, I look good kind of then. That's my goal within a year and a half to be back down at that, that I will, where I looked, felt like I looked good at. Do you, have you ever heard the David Goggins story? Yeah. Where he lost a uh, hundred pounds in three months. Yeah, that's sick. <laughs> Fucking insane, but it's true. But I think David Goggins, he became a seal. Yeah, and he destroyed his body trying to do it. Yeah, but, but he he did it. He told himself, "I'm gonna be a fucking badass," and he went and do it and did it. And he set a world record for fucking pull-ups, pull man. Yeah, and it was just shit like that. But now that we have these new studies, we have all this technology. We've got people with keto. We got people with CrossFit. We got jujitsu guys. We've got all these experts now, and everyone's body's different. So what works for you might not work for me, but you can go, hey check out these guys you can do what david goggins did which was the crash diet which was all right this is how i'm going to jump start my metabolism all right and i can do that for a little bit but then i plateau so what else do i have to do i can go all right ct is telling me now you got to start lifting motherfucking weight you got to put as much weight on that fucking part you just got to tell your body to fucking do it you got that way because, you know what, after you just did this crash diet, you just lost a shit ton of muscle. Not only fat, but muscle. And then you have to go to the nutritionist side and go, all right, how the fuck do I eat? The whole living healthy is not only a lifestyle, but it's a very strict discipline. That's, you know, no soda. And I was the biggest Mountain Dew junkie there ever was. <laughs> I still don't know a time when you did not see me without a Mountain Dew or a Mellow Yellow anywhere. Ah. <sighs> I was a junkie. No, I'm a junkie. I see. I have a Mountain Dew T-shirt when I wear it. I thought it felt. It makes me feel satisfied. No, it just gives me a fucking caffeine. We're like, man, I need some fucking Mountain Dew right now. My my junkiness is on coffee at the moment. Like, coffee's I've, good. I have to have coffee on a daily basis, but. No, that's actually fine. Um, I actually recommend a couple coffee companies for you. Black Rifle Coffee uh, Coffee Company. It's a veteran-run company. They actually have a coffee just for you. It's called caffeinated as fuck. That's what I need. Yeah, so. I went and drank a Doomsday Coffee today. It's do, a veteran coffee place do, in Fayetteville. They're, they're pretty good, too. They also do Black Rifle Coffee there. Um, back to Kuwait. Um, we pull out of Iraq. We're hanging out in Kuwait to finish out our tour. And, and also there to be cure refs. So the only fucking thing to do in Kuwait is beat off, go to the gym, and sleep. That's it. Three things that you can do. And we can only do two of those because we had a company commander goes, No, Jack Shacks, you're going to beat off going to the porter potty and be a real man. Fuck that shit. You know how nasty those porter potties are? Ugh. But anyway, uh, so we would go to the gym all the time. And this is back when pre-workout was in its heyday. And you didn't know what the fuck you were getting. You didn't know that what it was going to do to you. Some of it was just straight up fucking steroids. Yeah, it had illegal substances in it. <laughs> Good times. So... We ran out of water at our CP, and and uh, so Sergeant Puka, being Sergeant Puka, goes, all right, guys, break out your blender bottles. And for uh, he would give us three scoops each of Jack 3D. And this was the best pre-workout you can get at the time, but we didn't have any water to mix it. And so he breaks open his stash of Red Bulls. Oh my fucking God. Ooh. I thought I could see sound. We were just... I felt like I was on crack, and I needed to go smoke crack to even out. You were that jacked up. <laughs> like, I could feel my heart beating, but I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, that would be incredible. Uh, no, that was bad. I would say I would try it, but you've got me, like, not wanting to have any sugar in my <laughs> diet. <laughs> no, uh, this was sugar-free ripple. Ooh, nice. <laughs> now we have that taste, and we have the taste of ass in our mouth for literally for two days because of that. And no matter what we ate, was just straight up shit. So, anything else you want to talk about before we wrap it up? Oh yeah, there's actually a couple more things I wanted to hit on. All right, go yes. for it. So one of the other things I wanted to hit on was real quick because I also follow a bunch of other veteran guys. Uh, one of the people that I really admire is Tim Kennedy. 
and he's just got a brand new TV show that's hard to kill. But uh, no, one of the things that he was talking about as he was transitioning from the UFC to civilian life, and he's still he's still a Green Beret, but he's National Guard. God bless him. I gotta give him shit for that. The way that he does things, it just he sets a goal for the day. And one of the first things that his goal is, is, hey, man, make my bet. And the reason why he does that, and I get it, and it took me a little while to understand it, because we all have those days where just no matter what we try to do, we're just stepping on our dick. But when I come home, after I feel like I just put in the shittiest workout ever, I'm still thinking about, you know, how bad I fucked up at work. I'm beating myself up because the way I treated someone at work or the conversation that I just had with a significant other. Hey, I made my bet. That's a win. <laughs> so, right? So you always have that one win yeah, no matter what. No matter what, we all need to have goals throughout the day. And it, should, it could be simple shit. Like one of the things that I'm doing right now is I'm trying, I'm counting my steps. Scientists say, you know, 6,000 steps is a healthy lifestyle. All right, fuck that. I'm going to try to go past that. And I think today, so far, I've done t- over 25,000 steps. Nice, man. Yeah. The other day, I hit 30. It's one of those type of things. You know, hey, how many steps can I hit today? You know, small goals. It's just the small little things to where when you're sitting at home and you're feeling like shit and you're starting to go to that dark place, when column, how many do I have up there? You know, like if I have one or two, your day is good. Right. That's that's my rules. Be one percent better than I was yesterday. And so if I write down three goals and I get one of them accomplished, then that's thirty three percent wins for the day. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm pretty happy. Yeah. And and again, and just that happiness, and you're able to spread that happiness too. Right. It's, happiness is contagious. Just, yeah. And and part of that goes, Curtis. Well, you've been in those dark places so much. Like, how are you able to stay so upbeat and so happy? And it's just one of those one of those things that I learned. Like the only person who can make me miserable and truly hate life is me. Why give that power to you? That makes a lot of sense. Like don't let other people get you down. If you want to get down, you'll do it by yourself. It really is. It's just we give so many people the power to make us feel like shit. I don't want people to have that power over me. The only person that can make me miserable, truly miserable, is me. Everyone else just irritates me. But I am still going to be the happy-go-lucky person because, you know what, I don't know what the fuck you're going through in your day. Right. Uh, as an MP, I've met so many people having the worst day of their fucking lives. And just going up there and saying, hi, you fucked up. I'm not going to hem you up. What's going on? Why are you doing this? What, why are you in a bad mood? And just sitting there and just kind of talking to that person. Like, I pulled over this one guy. He was speeding. I think he was going 15 over. And he was just like, hey, I just caught my wife cheating on me with this dude. That fucking sucks. Change your bank account right now so she doesn't drink. Right. <laughs> he kind of looked at me going, did this guy just literally give me advice so I don't get it's like, screwed wait, up? Wait, am I, am I not getting a speeding <laughs> ticket right now? Like, what, what's going on here? Like, no. The, uh, believe it or not, officers have the choice to write tickets. If you're honest with us, you make us laugh, and the person's not a dick which you got a dick by the way which is so fucked up and there's so many ways that he needs to get punished but karma fucking let it get let it go but at the same time like without having that cop you know give me a ticket and me have to like be in probation like would i be substance free and in the you know the path that i'm on right now probably not so it's like sometimes sometimes the things that you know our failures propel us forward yeah sometimes you actually need a dick in your life Oh, you can take that however you well, want. I guess to. I guess it's 2018. We're totally pro homo. You can be homo if you want. That's fine. It's okay to be gay. It's okay. Right. Uh, We're all gay in some way. Everyone has their own level, and mine is two million dollars. <laughs> right. You can definitely buy Curtis's love. But anyway, but no, it was just like, okay, that's how you de-escalate so much is, you know, like, hey, man, like, what the fuck's going on? Why are you, why are you in such a bad man? Because normally it just takes one person to push that asshole or that bitch person in us and we ruin it for someone else. And 
I, I got tired of being responsible for ruining so many so many people's good days. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm gonna make someone smile. If I can make one person smile and forget about, you know, life's not that hard. I could be really fucked over right now, but I'm not. And just take that two seconds just to calm that person down to kind of like, hey man, you 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 you're revving your engine too much. Just bring it back. Calm down. Just calm down here. You know, and just be able to pull them out of their funk for that two seconds to where they can think logically and best for them. That's the world. Because you were going through that at one point. Yeah, we all go through it yeah. at some point. And, and and you can relate to that. And you you, you deal with something in, in your, you know, in your industry where people are going a thousand miles per hour. And then it just, someone snaps. Yeah, people get irate really quickly. Yeah, and then just like, hey man, what's going on? I know you're not pissed off about your flurry not being right, or in your case, your sonic blast not being the right way. What's truly pissed me off? Right, yeah, just talk to me for a minute. (laughs) Let me make you happy. Exactly, and if you can make one person happy, just make one person laugh, put a smile on one person's face, they'll go do it for someone else. Right. And just sitting here talking, just being able to relate to someone, even though... I don't think anyone's actually going to listen to this podcast and go, oh, hey, I want to go hang out with this Curtis dude because, oh, fuck, I think most of them think I'm a Debbie Downer right now. But no, dude, fucking, I will make your balls fall off laughing so hard just for oh, the yeah. stupid shit that I do. Right. Like, you've actually toned it down a lot because you're trying to be professional for the purpose of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. But a typical conversation <laughs> with Curtis off the record, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to communicate because my stomach would be in stitches. Oh, that's good times. This was fun. Yeah, man. I appreciate you coming. Thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, one love.